Well, hey, there's some kind of ball game today. Y'all heard about that? Some Super Bowl thing? I don't know. They think it's a big deal. A bunch of people are going to watch it, and these people pay ridiculous amount of money to put commercials on there, and that's why our people really watch the Super Bowl anyway. But when you think about the Super Bowl, there's a lot about the Super Bowl that's pretty stinking cool. But in the midst of all of that, there is an enormous sacrifice that has to be made by a lot of people, okay? Now, you could sit here today and argue who had to sacrifice the most to make the, the Super Bowl happen, and I'm going to tell you there's a group of guys that work on that turf that would say, buddy, without us sacrificing, making this field right, we wouldn't have it. And you'd have just as much, you know, the say from the parking attendees and people that get the stadium ready, people that are cooking hot dogs and hamburgers and nachos and popcorn and, you know, ribeyes. Man, football's changed a lot, you know, you can... They're going to eat a steak at a ball game now. But uh, I don't understand all that. But, uh, but there's a lot of sacrifice in those guys. I mean, the, the cheerleaders would say, without, y'all, without us, y'all couldn't play football. Now, that, that, that would carry some weight. But, but there's a lot of sacrifice that must happen. Fans would say, if you've ever been to one of those big games, just parking and getting into the stadium, you're wore out. Okay? I mean, seriously, it's, it's, it's a zoo. I mean, it kind of makes the recliner and popcorn and, you know, that pretty nice. But there's a lot of sacrifice from fans. You know, obviously the coaches would say, hey, we stayed up long nights. We studied film. We made game plans. We did this. We did this. We made a lot of sacrifice. Okay? And obviously players would say the same thing. Look, without us, it wouldn't happen. But there is one sacrifice that has been made for the Super Bowl that without its sacrifice, there would be no Super Bowl. May I see the winner of the ultimate sacrifice? Y'all got to give it up for the pig. Because I'm going to tell you, that pig right there has got issues. But that, that's a big old pig. Without the pig, you've got no football. You just got a bunch of people looking at each other. Amen. I mean, can you imagine the 49ers and the Ravens walking out and everybody's ready and the cameras are set and the coaches are like, why are we here, man? What's up? What are we doing? I mean, they can do nothing. If you don't have a football, you don't have a game. You watch. And until that football is kicked, nothing happens. Nothing. Just a whole bunch of drama that's been going on for two weeks talking about stupid stories that really are relevant to life. I mean, that's just, you got nothing. Okay, you got nothing without the sacrifice of that pig because without the pig, you don't have what, Brett? You don't have the official game ball, amen? I mean, that's what they're after right there, all right? Without the pig, you ain't got that, man. He get, now, you say, well, the pig didn't get the vote. No, the pig did not get the vote, okay? All right? But without that, now, understand something. There is a sacrifice that was made, and I want you to turn your Bible. The first, I mean, the Philippians 2. Philippians 2, there is an ultimate sacrifice beyond the pig that was made. And I'm going to tell you, it was much bigger than a three-hour football game. And I want you to look at it. Philippians chapter 2, Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not, I mean verse 6, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, 6, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. 
He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The ultimate sacrifice, my friend, though that pig did it, it was whom? The cross. It was Jesus. He made the ultimate sacrifice. Now, here's what I want to do today. I'm just going to walk you through enough scripture to sink the Titanic, but I want to show you what an awesome Jesus that we have, okay? Now, you look at life, understand something, that, that, that Jesus Christ has a plan and a purpose for your life. Scripture tells us in Psalm 139 that all the days of your life have been ordained. He has a plan. And that plan, my friend, leads and ultimately begins with your birth. But the second birth, though not the water birth, but the spiritual birth is what he's all about. He's all about redeeming us in a personal relationship with God. I want to run through some scriptures. I want you to look at, uh, you don't have to go there necessarily. But Romans 5, 1 says this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. John three sixteen we know it well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When you read that scripture, you've got to put your name in there. That's how you read that scripture. For God so loved Jeff that he sent his only son, that if Jeff would believe in him, Jeff would never perish but have eternal life. That is what he did for you. John 10, 10 says this, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. The question is, do you have life or are you just existing? Do you really have life? I mean, think about that. Do you have life living or are you just existing? You see, trees and grass, they just exist. When they die, they die. That's it. But for you and me, Jesus says, I've come to give them life, eternal life, life more abundantly, so that one day when they die, oh, they don't die. They go home. They live again. They have eternal life. We were created to have a relationship with God, but he didn't just make us automatically accept that. He gave us humans, and you can argue whether it's a good choice or not, but he made us with a choice, with a free will, with freedom. We can pick that, choose that, or reject that. Man, for so long, has decided that he would do his own thing. He would live his life however he wants to live it. No one's going to tell him what to do. He'll do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, because he wants to do it, and nobody tells him what to do. And from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve struggled with that. They wanted to do their own thing, their own thing. They wanted to run their own life. Scripture tells us, Romans 3.23, pop that up, Brett, for me. 
Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who? All. Me, you, everyone. Every one of us. Every one of us. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. My friends, understand that we, though loved by God, are enemies of God until we accept him and his gift. We're not just included in the family of God until we become what? One of his kids. One of his kids. Now, we are all his creations, but you're not one of his kids until you accept him, until you're born again, until he lives in us, until he redeems us. Nicodemus struggled with that. Though smart as he could be, could not figure out what Jesus meant when he said, you must have two birthdays. You must have a physical birthday, but you must have a spiritual birthday. And my friends, if you're in this room this morning and you do not have two birthdays, your Super Bowl Sunday could really be super, really super. I want you to look at some more. What we run into is there's a God and then there's us. And we, in our feeble attempts, try to make bridges to God. And there's only one bridge to God. And his name is Jesus. And it's the cross. And it's the only way. I want you to look at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. I love Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. He saved us not because of our righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Somebody just need to hear that. Because you're worn out trying to do right things. You're worn out trying to be what you think a Christian looks like. That will absolutely wear you out. I mean, it will make you so heavy, so tired, so fatigued all day long. You'll think, man, I haven't even done that much today and I am dead dog tired. That's because you've been spending all day trying to perform for God and do things in front of people who you're trying to impress and show that you're a Christian. Let me tell you, there's no more miserable life than that life right there. Living two lives will kill you, man. I mean, I'm tired just doing one. I can only imagine doing two. Amen? I mean, you got to be careful what you say depending on who's around. You got to be careful what you do depending on who's watching. You got to be careful where you go depending on who's looking at you. And oh my gosh, here comes Sunday. I better go look like I'm fine because everybody in church is fine. All right? And it'll make you so tired, you'll just be fatigued all day long. And here's some of the bridges, not all of them, but here's some of the bridges that we try to build. We obey rules. We just talked about that, trying to do the right thing. Can I just tell you something? Jesus said, it is not in doing that you are set free, but it is in dying that you are set free. Man, you can't ever do enough 
to earn what he did for you freely. You can't. You cannot do enough good stuff. It's not a pile of good versus a pile of bad. There, it's, not, that's, it's not about piles, okay? It's not about that. You can't do enough good things. If you're sitting here today and you've been living the life of do more good things versus bad things, and my good will outweigh my bad, and I'll go to heaven. Because I've been with people on their last seconds of life, and when they say, well, I hope that all the things I've done good will outweigh all the things I've done wrong. My friends, right there, I want to pray and receive Christ and his freedom for that person. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to happen. His good will never outweigh his bad. Never. Never. Being religious, see it all the time. You see people all the time trying to reach God through religious establishments. Like going to church automatically makes you a Christian, makes you born again. That is as crazy as walking into McDonald's will make you a French fry. That just is not going to happen. And if it does, please leave the store immediately. You will get eaten, okay? You can't, this doesn't happen, okay? But I know people, I've been with people, I've talked to people, I've talked to adults that say, man, I grew up in church. How long have you been a Christian? I've been a Christian all my life. I, I, man, I, like, I just grew up in church. All I can remember is just going to church. That's not even the answer to my question. Don't you hate when you ask a question and the answer doesn't even match it? How long have you been saved? Man, I've been in, I've been in church all my life. That's, I did not even ask you if you go to church. I did not. I asked, how long, when did you give your life to Christ? Man, I, I came from a Christian home, and my, my parents raised me uh, in, in, in the Bible, in church. Praise Jesus for mom and dad that do that. But that doesn't get your son or daughter into heaven. That just makes them a good little Baptist church going, quoting Bible belt kid that's going to grow up and probably be one freaked out, confused student at youth camp when the Holy Spirit of God sets on their life like a big old gray elephant, like that big old pig. And they're like, oh, my heart is, I think I need to get saved. Oh, no, I grew up in church. My mom and dad told me I was a good little kid, and I knew Jesus, and I acted just like the perfect kid. Well, they're not going to go forward. They're just going to continue to stay confused and then be in their 20s and be in their 30s and be in their 40s and think that because they were told that from birth, they're saved. That's not it. That's not it. I have people all the time that tell me they're born a Christian. That's, in, that's humanly impossible to be born a Christian. It's just, it just, there's no scripture that supports, I can't find it, okay? Last thing is helping others. Again, we go back to doing the good things. None of those things will get you there, okay? None of those things. So what does it? What's the bridge? The bridge is what? The cross. The gap between heaven and hell is the cross. It's the only way. Jesus bore himself on a cross, called Calvary, for who? For you 
and me, for you and me. That's the only way to get to God, the only way to get to God. Romans 5, 8. Great, you're way ahead of me, brother. But God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, he knew what you needed before you needed it. Thank God he did. And he bore our sins on a cross. He demonstrated his love, okay? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First John, I mean, uh, John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through church, not through being born through our parents, not quoting all the scriptures, not doing good things, not being religious, not helping others, none of that, not being born in Texas, none of that stuff is going to get you there. You only get there through Christ Jesus. You only get there from this side to that side by walking across that cross and accepting what Jesus did for you. That's the only way. The only way. And if anybody's ever told you there is another way, they're wrong. I'm just going to tell you they're wrong. As sweet as they are and as much as you love them, they're wrong. Because, my friends, the Bible is the only truth in this world, Jesus. It doesn't need a kickstand, doesn't need defending, doesn't need anybody to take up for it. It's just the truth. And you've got to accept the truth as the truth is to be set free. The truth can't set you free until you accept that truth. And Jesus says, I am the only way to heaven. The only way to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 say this. I love this. Christ died for our sins according to what? The scriptures. And he was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I just love the way it says it each time. According to the scriptures. Now, Jesus provided the way, but he doesn't make the choice. See, that's the hard part. He makes, he, he provides the way, but he doesn't make the choice. We each must choose that. We each must choose that. You've heard this, I think Cole a couple of weeks ago made reference to this scripture. Listen to this scripture, Revelation 3.20. says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We know that Jesus will knock at every heart's door. Now, we also know that there's only one doorknob to your heart. No one gets in your heart unless you let them in. Same thing with Jesus. He'll knock at your heart. It'll feel warm. It'll feel like a pounding. It, it'll feel like, I mean, just like, I mean, just, it's like going to pop out of your chest sometimes. But that's Jesus knocking at your heart. He wants you to open up your heart and let him in. Uh, John uh, 1, 12. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I talked about that a little bit ago, okay? Look at Romans 10, 9. Romans 10, 9. Brett, you got that? Yep. If you confess your mouth with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. I want to tell you a little story. I was, uh, I pulled up Thursday for a late lunch with a couple of guys and I was sitting in the Logan's parking lot and my, my cell phone rings and I don't recognize the number, but I pick it up and I said, hello. I said, this is Jeff. And there was a man's voice on the other line. And I'm not going to tell you who, I'm not going to tell you any other details about who that might be because it's his story, not mine. But I want to kind of share with you kind of what took place. He just simply said, I was hoping that I could talk to you this afternoon. I have some things in my life I want to talk to you about. I said, sure. So we met at 2 o'clock at Barnes & Noble right there on Sansi. We were in the little coffee shop there. I'm sitting at the table. He walks in. He sits down. And I said, what's on your heart? And he began to tell me some things in his life. This man is probably, I don't know his exact age, probably around 50. He's got a kid in college. Through the next course of the next 45 minutes to an hour, he just tells me about his life, about growing up, about church, about choices, about addictions, about all this other stuff. And I simply shared with him a story that is similar to his, and that's the story of my dad. And I finally, at about two-thirds of the way through the conversation, I just looked at this man across the table and I said, and all the love I can tell you, I want you to listen to me. You're lost. You do not know the Lord, and you've never been saved. Never. And I, I want you to understand something. He knew that. He knew it because as he was telling me, he was answering questions that they were popping in my head. He knew where he was. He had tried to be religious. He had tried to do good things. He tried to, to help others. I'm telling you, you'd be as shocked as I was with the conversation, with who it is. But as we talked, his life was a life of emptiness and it was hollow and it was just, I mean, I told him one time, I said, I'm looking at you in your eyes, but you're empty and hollow. I can see the back of that bookstore and I could read the magazines through your eyes because you're hollow, man. And he said, Jeff, I have filled my life with all kind of things to numb me because I knew I was a mess. He had addiction after addiction. And, and, and what he did, he tried to do the woman at the well thing and fill the void in his heart with everything but Jesus. And he tried all kinds of things to fill it, my friends. But I'm going to tell you, there's nobody that fills that spot in your heart except Jesus. And at 2.30 in the afternoon, on Thursday afternoon at Barnes & Noble at a, star, uh, at, a, at a coffee shop there with people all in that store, he bowed his head and he prayed and received Christ right there. And I'm going to tell you right now, that was an incredible experience, man. I mean, he got up from the table, and he put his hands in the air, and I thought those two ladies sitting next to us thought, there's some freaks in this store. (laughs) And I was trying to look at them with some eyes that said, we're good here, okay? (laughs) But I don't know that I gave enough signal there. They were like, they thought he was a freak. But he said, I, I want to be, be the first person down front Sunday morning. I want to tell my church what happened in my life. 
But Friday, I get a call, and he leaves town unexpectedly this weekend. He says, I can't be there Sunday, but I wanted to call and tell you because I didn't want you to think that I was messing with you. I said, oh, I knew you weren't messing with me, buddy. I saw the change, all right? He will soon be here to do that, and I want, he's going to tell more, all right? But, but that's all I can tell you. But I'm going to tell you right there, everything we talked about this morning, all the scripture that I just read you, it just, that's, that's what happened Thursday afternoon at Barnes & Noble. Every bit of it. Every bit of that. And it, it, it didn't bother him where we were. He said, I know what I need to do. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being empty. I'm tired of trying to numb myself and ignore the, uh, the obvious in my life. And he just simply prayed. Just simply prayed. I want you to look at a couple other things. Scripture tells us in Romans 10, 13, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We, we very seldom do this. I don't know that I've ever done this. I've done it before, but not in this church. I'm going to ask you, as we move to our time of invitation, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer or what we call the sinner's prayer. If you're sitting in this room and you know for sure, without a doubt, that you know the Lord. And if you were to die today, you would be in heaven without a doubt. No doubt in your mind. You don't have to pray this prayer, okay? You've already prayed the prayer and you're born again and you're saved. But I want you, if you've already prayed this prayer, to pray for those in this room that have never prayed this prayer that they would pray it. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never, ever, 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 ever given your life to Christ, never, never. You can't remember a time in your life that you were born again, that you were once blind, but now you see. You were once lame, but now you walk. You, you were once hopeless, but now you have a hope. You've never been redeemed, saved, born again, changed. Corinthians says a new creation. If that's not you, if you've been trying religious things, doing right things, trying to live a certain way around people and you're tired and worn out, I mean, you're tired of that. If you just want to start new and be new this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or none of that stuff. I'm just going to pray this prayer and I want you to pray the prayer with me. And then if you do, Pray that prayer to receive Christ. I want you to let somebody know you did it. You to tell your mate or come forward and tell me, but you don't be ashamed of it. But, but you want to have a super, super Sunday? <laughs> you want to walk out different than you walked in? You can today. You can today. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray this prayer. If you've never prayed it, pray it. If you have prayed it, simply just pray for those in this room that need to pray it. You say, well, I don't know those people. Well, you just pray God knows them. Pray, dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner.
I ask you for forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead to conquer my sins. I turn from running my own life and I now ask you to run my life. I invite you into my heart and into my life. I trust and follow you all the days of my life. And Jesus, thank you for saving me. But this is my prayer in your name.